Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the Intelligent Community um, call. Today, we have Adrian, who's going to talk a little bit about FinBoss. If you haven't seen the FinBoss announcement a couple of weeks ago, I strongly encourage you to, to go read it. I'll drop a link in the notes. And we've got Adrian to talk a little bit more about that. Adrian? Hey, Alex. Um, yeah, I'm not allowed to say that that's not already in there. Um, we've been, you know, beavering away since beginning of August, trying to get a lot of stuff in place. Um, we, we've incorporated the business and we've set up a subsidiary in South Africa where a lot of us are based, um, you know, but, but the, the blog really talks about our mission and what we're trying to achieve and the kind of company we, we're trying to build. Um, I guess to summarize, the the main focus for us is um, using Interledger as a way to connect um, accounts of any type together to kind of enable the internet economy. Um, and what I mean by that is um, there are very few payment networks today that are truly global that allow you know a user in. Uh, America to buy something online from a user in Nigeria, for example, the the only real global networks we have today are the, the card networks, and they just not that useful for a lot of use cases. So especially low value payments, they're very expensive. And for a lot of parts of the world, their card networks are just, you know, don't have a presence, they're inaccessible. I think it's really difficult to get, for example, in acquiring um, a merchant account in, in you know, a lot of parts of the world and, and a lot of end users don't have cards either. So um, we see Interledger as being a way to fill that gap, a sort of more modern take on how to connect um, accounts together around the world, replicating the, the way the internet connects computers around the world. Um, and we've got a sort of a three-phase strategy for how we're going to go about doing that. Um, for us, we want to measure ourselves over the next, you know, year or so on purely how many accounts are added to the network. Like how many people um, or businesses have a, an account with money in it that is able to transact over the Interledger network. And and phase one for for you know growing that number is making it really easy for people to provide those accounts. Um, and and so there's a couple of pieces that go into that, but if you're a you know if you're a student of the fintech world or if you follow like fintech trends you would have um, come across the concept of banking as a service or embedded finance where um, entities with banking licenses and you know technical capabilities to to like be a bank instead of being a bank offer that whole platform uh, via apis and so we want to enable something like that but where specifically we differentiate ourselves from uh, other offerings in the market is that we uh, we offer accounts that are Interledger enabled. So um, we're hoping to see you know the Interledger community come and build wallets um, or you know marketplaces or, or whatever on this platform, and that'll that that's sort of phase one for us to get uh, you know to get the flywheel spinning, get um, momentum. Phase two would be that we you know, we can start going to our competitors, going to other platforms, going to other, um, 
you know, existing account service providers like banks and mobile money operators and so on and say to them, look, you know, this network's getting traction. People want to be able to send and receive via Interledger. How can we help you connect to the network? And to, you know, shift our focus from um, enabling people to build Interledger applications to enabling people who are already, you know, financial service providers to connect to the network. Uh, and then finally, our, our final sort of phase of, of our strategy is to um, to start providing the backbone connections between those entities. So if we're successful and the network's growing the way we hope it will grow, um, then, then we anticipate there being a great opportunity in, in providing backbone connectivity. Uh, and so we're in the process of pursuing um, our own licensing to be able to provide that in the long term. That's really, yeah, I mean, that's the crux of where we are at the moment. A lot of discussion going on with um, partners around the world who could help us deliver on that. Um, we're specifically looking at companies that offer like uh, the equivalent of basically a core banking system. So your kind of accounts and transactions ledger. Um, there's a whole spectrum that we're looking at from, you know, very basic uh, ledgers to full-featured white-label wallet systems, um, some licensed, some unlicensed. We have licensed partners we're talking to that could um, we could work with in combination with the unlicensed tech providers. So we're we're trying to assemble the correct mix of technology and licensed partners to uh, to get this all off the ground and and hoping to have some of our early customers up and running and, and offering, you know, Interledger enabled accounts to users um, in the new year. That's, that's really great to hear. I think one of the, one of the things people in this call, I know me at least are, are excited about is a test network or the, the ability to have a test network. And I feel like that's something maybe you've been working on or you're working on towards based on the, on the Rafiki updates that we've, we've seen in the past, and I think that's great. Uh, one of the questions I had is, you said that the way you're gonna measure yourself is by the accounts on the, the number of the accounts on the network. And I think that's, um, that's something we've been thinking about here at the foundation as well. How can we kind of sort of measure um, the network so we can see when it grows or when it doesn't. And I was wondering how are you gonna, how are you gonna measure that? How are you gonna figure out if the accounts on the network have expanded or not? I mean, certainly we can we can see if it's uh, if it's a project we're involved in in, in helping um, to take live. We can tell you know we know how many accounts are live. I think another metric that's important is going to be volume. Um, I think number of accounts is a, a good primary metric, but secondary will be volume. It, it doesn't help having lots of people, you know, on the network if there's no volume. Just like you know, a bank doesn't want to issue all of its customers with uh, credit cards if nobody ever uses them. Um, that that doesn't help uh, the, either the network or the bank. So um, you know we we're only one participant in this ecosystem. Obviously, the the idea here is that we're building an ecosystem based on standards so that others can join and and participate. I don't think there's a an answer today about how you could measure overall volume or overall number of accounts on the network given the nature of how the network's supposed to work but certainly we'll be able to measure um everything that's within our scope 
um, and our goal will be to you know to to focus on you know growing that number as, as aggressively as we can. That's that's a really yeah that's really great. We've been thinking about things uh, about adding some opt-in anonymous telemetry to Rafiki as a way to voluntarily uh, let the network know anonymously kind of the volume of traffic you're, you're handling and the, the the level of accounts you're servicing on a regular basis and we could i don't know 20 percent of the network would sign up for the telemetry we could extrapolate that into kind of a, a size of the network and that's interesting to, to work on in the new year in the new year uh, anyone else has has questions for adrian i feel like i'm hogging the the, the microphone questions here if you yeah uh Janusz, uh raise a hand go ahead uh, yeah, Adrian is um, we uh, we are a grantee of an interledger foundation project, and uh, what we we are building a marketplace is uh, where uh, content can be sold. It is we are counting on an interledger, so we we are probably a couple of weeks away to have this our case study published. Uh, we are able to do, you know, standard payment um, is uh, PayPal or Braintree. We, we are able to run that is, but we, we sign up in the project for, for interledger integration. So uh, the question is, so, so we are extremely practical. We would like to show that and feature. Now, um, the question is coming from two angles. Our, our end of the project, the normal project, will expire relatively soon. So we will ask for an extension to, uh, for the integration. Um, so that's the background. So I, I would like to know what is realistic for us to, to show any kind of integration with uh, with interledger through Rafiki. We are US based. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. How far reaching uh, does it look to you at this point? Uh, what, uh, I'm not sure if I follow the, what the question is. How far reaching? The, are you, are you yeah. asking about time? The, our, yeah. So, so very clearly the question, when do you think that um, someone like us would be able to uh, do integration uh, either on a testnet, show capability uh, or proof of concept through a testnet or, or an actual payment uh, integrated, payment system integrated for Interledger through Rafiki? um that's a, yeah i i don't have a, a a concrete answer for you i mean rafiki is just a stack of software so uh you know the availability of a test net or not has nothing to do really with rafiki being complete or not complete uh there is a test net today that you could use uh rafiki.money and i think uh the the ripple uh, Ripple X team have another counterparty that appeared. You could you could test with those today, or you could stand up your own test net um, if if a proof of concept is all you need. Uh, in terms of moving real money, that's very dependent on who do we enable 
um, and how, how soon do they get live? So, um, you know, we're, we're working to pull together Rafiki plus um, a core, you know, uh, general ledger for accounts and, and balances and transactions, plus a licensed partner who can deal with the onboarding, KYC, transaction monitoring, and so on. So, so what we're trying to do is glue all those pieces together so that we can expose that whole platform via APIs for people to build on. But we're not going to be releasing an end user wallet ourselves. So it's hard to give you a timeline for when you can test on, with an actual end user wallet. Um, if you were going to build on the platform, I would hope we have something by end of March next year for you to build on. Um, but there, we've got a lot of dependencies. So it's, it's very difficult to say um, with 100% certainty. I see. Um... Well, I probably need, I need to look at uh, in more. Day. So we, I do have a Rafiki money account, um, probably in the next call or maybe directly through the forum. I will reach out to you. I uh, that what can be demonstrated there? That's that's somewhat unclear to me at this point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think um, I think the you know the the. Rafiki code base, I think it's important for people to realize like the Rafiki code base is a way of packaging together a lot of complicated technical components into something simpler, but it's still just, uh, it's still just a, a bunch of code that needs to be run by someone um, and, and connected to other entities that are also, you know, running either Rafiki or another interledger stack. So it's not in and of itself a, a testnet. Um, if you go to Rafiki Money, what you're seeing is a whole wallet front end and and underlying wallet user management and auth. And there's there's a whole lot in Rafiki Money that's not part of out-the-box Rafiki. Um, and that's maybe a, a misconception that exists. R Rafiki Money we built as a demonstration a few years ago of what an Interledger-enabled wallet could look like. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I think somebody still has to build that real money into ledger wallet. My expectation is it'll probably be coil first to market with that. Um, but what we're trying to enable is the platform on which they could do that. So they don't have to worry about all of the interledger complexity. They can just focus on the user facing, um, pieces in terms of testing with, uh, Rafiki money, um, it's been a while. Uh, the I think the underlying um, services are are still up and running. They're quite dated, but it should be possible if you ran your own Interledger connector and you wanted to, you know, test against Rafiki Money as like a peer or another participant in the network. Um, you could definitely let us know or, or chat to the team at Coil about peering with Rafiki Money as a as an Interledger peer. And being able to test that way as well, so joining the testnet as a as an additional node, I think that would be an interesting thing to explore as well. Because you know, even though it's not the same code base as what's in Rafiki Money today, Interledger itself as a protocol hasn't changed. It's still that should still all be perfectly interoperable. If it would go through Coil, would it be streaming payment only? 
No, so so it wouldn't be Coil specifically. I'm just saying the Coil team are running Rafiki Money. Um, so if you wanted to peer with them, you would just need to chat to someone within Coil to give you connection credentials to basically connect your connector to the Rafiki Money connector, and you'd be able to send payments back and forward between them. All right. It is I heard Adrian what you said. I cannot see. I fully comprehended it, but let me read up more on it. And I maybe reach out to you. Uh, is a bit some additional question on sure, direct sure. message yeah, yeah, feel, if it's okay. Feel free. Yeah. Once again, my name is Janos. I am with Link Media. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the question, Janos, and thanks for for answering, Adrian. Um, I know you have a, a hard deadline for 10 minutes, so if you've got any more questions, if there's any more questions, now would be a, a good time to, to ask Adrian. Okay, going once, going twice. I feel like that was it. Thank you so much, Adrian. Um, I feel like the, the blog post explains a lot of the vision. In here, um, you shared a lot more about the how that's going to happen. And I feel like it's been really helpful for me, at least. Thank you so much for, for joining Colin and sharing. Um, I've got a couple of other agenda items for today, one of which is the new weaponization spec. The draft is ab available for preview. We ran a new preview today uh, on the 24th. I'll link it down below so you can see what we're thinking about. And the um, the organization um, W3C editors are meeting in um, San Francisco next week uh, to kind of try to nail down the spec before we take a break for Christmas. So we're going to try to finish off the spec and release the, uh, the first draft next week while we're all in San Francisco. Um, fingers crossed, the next community call, we have something that's actually first draft rather than a uh, work in progress. Link to spec. Yes, Adrian, uh, give me a second. Link to spec in here, and I'll put it in the agenda item for everybody who's watching this later or listening to this later as well. Uh, and the second, um, the, the second agenda item, uh, the people at Google are running um, 8.2 million websites through queries to run the, to, to write something called the Web Almanac. Um, and we've been participating in writing the uh, the markup chapter at, of the of the almanac. Uh, and one of the queries that's running is for web monetization and payment pointers. Out of 8.2 million websites, I think 2,500 had a payment pointer on it, at least one payment pointer on it. Which, uh, to put it in context, in the past in the past year, it's tripled in usage compared to last year uh, around the same time. Uh, the, the number of payment points. We've run historical data from April 2020 till today for the for the payment pointers in the uh, in the 8.2 million website data set. It's it's kind of tripled in usage, which is great to see. We've also run a separate query to try to identify the wallet for the um, to try to identify the, the wallet for the payment pointer, uh, based because most wallets have the. Uh, the payment pointer starts with the same subdomain, and uh, one of the surprising bits of of, of um, data was that 86% of them were uphold. Uh, GitHub is trailing uh, is trailing the fact that like 2% of the of the queried websites uphold is 86%, and in between is a mix of Coil and XRP, XRP Tipbot and uh, 
Stronghold and a bunch of other uh, one-off or people who are hosting their own uh, their own payment pointer rather than using Upfold in in the meantime. The uh, the Web Almanac and the the the, the data set is sort of kind of public right now. Uh, because the chapter is still in draft, it's finished. Actually, I'm supposed to finish it today, and it's going to get published on the 1st of December. I'll link it down below um, to, so you can get access to, to, to everything when it gets released. But I thought it was interesting that web monetization, we looked at the adoption curves of, of a bunch of different new standards or specs uh, on the web. And it's trailing ahead of some other some of the other new things in the in the HTML standard that are actually in browsers right now. It was interesting to see web monetization is beating the adoption curve of some of the standards out there, and that was uh, that was really happy. I was really really happy to see that. On top of that, it's a way to kind of sort of measure the amount of inter interledger enabled wallets out there because all the payment pointers linked to a wallet. That's 2,500 people who already have a, a digital wallet or that's intelligent enabled. And I thought that was a good good data point to see. I think those are my updates. Anyone else has any updates they'd like to share with the community? 2,500 is a good number. Yeah. It was a really good number. It was a really good number. And the interesting point is there were more on desktop than mobile because the, the websites got run on a desktop and mobile testing framework, basically, depending on what type of websites that there were and if they had something different. And the ones uh, the ones on desktop had a edged a little bit more in, in popularity with mobile. So it means the, um, what, I, what I take it to mean is a lot more people have, have heard about it through the Coral extension rather than the Puma browser, or at least the Coral extension is a bit more popular than the Puma browser. We'll see if that's the actual case after after the, the the data spec the data set gets released because the, the data set gets released with the with the chapters as well so anyone can plug it into a big query and, and run it the data set is from the chrome user experience report the um the chrome user experience report releases the the websites that we then scan and have a bunch of tests on Perfect. In that case, uh, I'm going to cut the, the meeting short today. Um, everybody who's celebrating Thanksgiving, happy Turkey Day. If not, happy 24th and 25th of November. I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for joining the call and, uh, and for sharing today. See you all in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Ciao.